0: Thanks for tuning in to the Brentwood Academy podcast. Brentwood Academy is dedicated to nurturing and challenging each whole person, body, mind, and spirit to the glory of God. Through this podcast, it's our hope to provide an enjoyable experience, to hear interesting stories, listen to chapel talks, and discover profiles on members of the BA community. To learn more about Brentwood Academy, visit us online at BrentwoodAcademy.com. Enjoy today's episode. I'm Jean Natwick and I am here with Carolyn Dobbins and she is the coordinator of writing and Carolyn has been with BA for 19 years and you have quite a journey and I'm excited to talk about it and learn more about it because I have a general sense about what you're doing here and how you have helped students grow but there's so much more to it and I want to learn more about that. Um, So Carolyn, tell me about being the coordinator of writing and what that includes, and what does that look like for students?
1: Well, to begin, I was in the middle school for 16 years. Loved it. I taught sixth graders and never, ever felt that I would move away from them. It was kind of my mission. And one day, Mr. Kurt Masters called me into his office, (laughs) and I knew it had to be good because I had not done anything wrong that I knew of. And it was good, except I felt as if I'd been struck by lightning on a beautiful, sunny day. He said, I want you to move to the upper school and help students who are struggling with reading and writing and all the things that they need to improve in to be successful in college. I didn't process that very well. All I could hear was, move. And when I finally just let go and... Said, Mr. Masters has called me to the upper school and I must answer. I did that, I said that facetiously, but I knew truly that he knew something I didn't know. And I'm not even sure he knew what he knew, but he knew that God had put me in a position to move on for a reason. And during the last three years, I've seen the reason in the lives of these high school students. It has been glorious.
0: Well, the writing piece is what we have learned so much about, even with our alum, that when they go off to college, um, and I'd love for you to kind of expand on how you work on that with students, that a lot of students are recognized as Brentwood Academy students when they go off into college because they know how to write. And I think they realize what felt normal while they were here learning these skills or perhaps working with you to kind of sharpen them. Um was so beneficial because they were steps ahead than a lot of other students coming into college. Um, Can you share a little bit about kind of working with some of these students in writing and how essential that is? I am so glad
1: you asked that question. Years ago, even in sixth grade, I would hear stories of the big brothers and the big sisters of these sixth graders going away to college and breezing through freshman English because they knew how to write. Now, I don't take credit for that. It's our fine English department. But what I did hear from these little sixth graders was that, let's just say, big sister is Betsy. Betsy called last night and said that her roommate wanted to know how in the world she had learned to do these papers so well, so quickly, while her roommate is sitting there staying up all night and doesn't really know what she's doing, just putting words on the paper. And I use that story so often with sixth graders. And I said, hey, guys, if you learn to write, you can change the world. So my passion became learning to, learning, They're learning to write a good sentence, because most of them in sixth grade cannot write a good sentence. Taking it into a good paragraph. We spent a lot of time on that. And then before they left me, they were writing wonderful 5 paragraph papers and by the time they uh, get to high school or even moving on to seventh grade if they can do that they are going to excel. A very cute story. I bumped into two of my former students in Kroger one day. They were standing at the produce something in the produce department and we had this grand reunion and one of the girls said Ms. Dobbins, you know what you always told us? That if we would just learn what you had to teach us, we would just sail through school. And I said, "Mm, I probably did say that. She said, we know now it's the truth. They were seniors in a public school at that time. And I just glowed. I just floated for about the next three days saying hallelujah, hallelujah. So what I do is concentrate on good sentences. When I get to the upper school and I find a student, and this is quite often, who cannot write a good sentence, it's because he can't read it very well. So I will say, stop, stop buddy, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Read what you just wrote. Students do not want to read what they just wrote. They want to put it away and forget it and turn it in and get credit, get the check mark or whatever, they just want to get through it. When I finally get them to read what they wrote, so often they will say, this doesn't make any sense. And I'll say, that's why you can't stand writing. Because what you're writing doesn't mean anything to you. That which you care about, you're going to improve. And it has been my great joy to watch some of these students. Now, some of them I've worked with for three years go from fumbling around with words to having control of their own words. They care. So that's the big thing. And because of the reading-writing connection, I have to bring reading into it. And I am so passionate about reading. That is so simple. That is just my joy. I will say, well, let me read this to you as long as it doesn't make any sense. Just let me read it to you. And with the right kind of hearing and the right kind of presentation, they'll say, I understand. That is that is so gratifying for me.
0: So it's almost as if you're having them or teaching them to look at things through a different lens because the writing is intimidating. You yes. know, I have kids mm-hmm. and I know from one in particular that the writing has been a struggle. He did not go here, but he so he didn't have that extra guidance. To look at it from a different view, um, so it was exactly what you just said, just putting something on paper and it became very stressful and I think that 's the case for a lot of kids because if you don't if you don't have these kind of um, fundamentals on how to actually write, it could be very, very stressful, and then when you have to write five paragraphs, it 's even more stressful so
1: and I have discovered that every student deserves a teacher somewhere along the way who writes a note on that student's paper that says, oh, here's just an example. I can see this boy right now. He's a freshman in college. In sixth grade, he cared nothing about anything having to do with school. And one day, he wrote the most wonderful little piece. It was about a book called Lily's Crossing. I was thrilled. So I wrote on his paper, your writing shows such promise. And his mother told me the next day that he got in the car and he said, Mom, what does this mean? My writing shows promise. (laughs) She said, Who wrote that? He said, Miss Dobbins. And she said, It shows that she believes you can write. He told me in his junior year, he graduated last year. He told me in his junior year that that moment was a turning point for him. So every time I would see him in the hall, I would say to him, you show great promise.
0: And I was not disappointed as he grew. Wow, so it's the... It was showing him teaching, but also the encouragement. Yeah, it was my words
1: back to him, letting Mm -hmm. him know, here's how I respond to your writing.
0: That's wonderful, and that's a game changer. You know, it was for him. That's wonderful. Well, I love, um, I love how you've connected with students beyond writing, because there's a clear connection with students and you, and I think it's your it is your love for writing and your love for teaching that shows so clearly. Um, but I'm going to move into another area of your life because that I I personally find very very inspiring, and um, because you were diagnosed with cancer in 2012 2012 2012. and so that became game changers is an enormous game changer but i think many people including myself are so i think uh not just amazed but i um i'm inspired because you show up for work and it's as if it's like the best day ever always a smile on your (laughs) face you continue to love on these kids and help them continue to you know learn to write and do their best and and move on to college with the skill set and the promise you know that they show promise and how how do you do that and explain to me what that journey looked like and how you hold on to your faith and and you know what you do and and remain so positive Well, faith is everything. I remember the day when
1: an oncologist said to me, I didn't know him well. I had just been sent there by my family physician who was pretty sure that I had cancer. And I didn't believe it. I just thought I had a virus or something. And this was a day at Vanderbilt. And he looked across to me and said, You are very healthy, that was really good news, with cancer. It was so stunning. You are healthy with cancer. It was an oxymoron. I I had no idea. And the first thing I said to him was, I'm a teacher and I want to go back to school. This was two weeks before school would have started that year. He said, "Mm, I don't think so. He said, this is going to take a lot out of you. I think you probably need to request a semester off. And I said, no way. I I can't do that. And he said, well, let's just get into the treatment. And we talked about that. And he said, you may change your mind. Well, I came home that day and called Skip Burris, who is not only a fine oncologist, the best, but he's a good friend. And... I told him what this doctor had said, and he said, get in here, get in here now. And I was teaching summer school right before school started. I was getting sixth graders ready, fifth, rising sixth graders ready for the sixth grade. And as soon as I could leave school that day, I headed to Sarah Cannon, and he was there. And he said, yes, he had seen all the scans and everything by this time. And he said, yeah, we're going to have to treat this, and uh, we got to start now. I said, Skip, I've got to teach. I've got to go back to teach. And he said, go. He said, I know you. And he said, if you figure out this is too much, then I know that school. And he said, I think they would give you some time off. I said, I want time off. He said, well, you know there will be days when you can't be at school. I said, those will be few and far between. I had no idea what I was getting into. The chemo was. It's horrible. It's horrible. You cannot know how horrible that experience is until you go through it. I've never met, and I've met lots of people now through all my years of fighting cancer who um, have experienced chemo. And for all of them, it's it's a dreadful, dreadful story. I came to school every day I could. Uh, Kurt Masters was incredibly supportive. He is the one that said to me one day, You come when you can. And you leave when you have to. And I just felt free. I felt, okay, I'll push as hard as I can. But when I hit that wall, and you do, hit, well, you do hit many walls when you're on chemo, I've gotta go. And there were days when I couldn't make it through the day, but I was here almost every day. On days of treatment, I could not come. I tried that, that was ridiculous. I made it through that year, and obviously <laughs> it was not easy. But I will never forget those students and how they pulled for me. And on the days I could be here, they were incredibly loving and supportive. And on the days I could not be here, they understood. And we got, I told them that we got through that year together. Came through with a wonderful report after I'd been through all the chemo and during the, before the last treatment, I begged to quit. I didn't think my body could take any more. And I was just so weak and so sick. And um, Dr. Burris encouraged me to press on. He said, I think we need to complete the program. And he, I didn't realize at the time he wanted to do that to ensure that the cancer would never come back. He never spoke those words, but I knew that I needed to go through all the treatments and not quit. And it was only because of him and his encouragement and trusting him so completely and trusting in the Lord, because I felt, well, I've been through the worst. I can't, it can't get any worse, can it, Lord? That I endured that last treatment. Got It was just so awful. I went through uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Most people, I can talk about it now because I can look back on it, but I was just very, very sick. I, I, I don't remember any of that My goal was it's called coming in on a wing and a prayer waking up every day I understand the prayer part I tell you I um I came back to school in January and slowly began to get my strength back although he told me it's going to take you some months I thought I'd come back in January and just be the old me and uh uh-uh no it took um he told me it would take at least until April to begin to feel like myself again it took a little bit longer than that after that it never occurred to me after he told me his, the way he told me was so cute he called and said Carolyn, your final report mm, it's good he said, mm, no, I'll tell you what it is he said, you get an A plus and again, all I could wow. hear was A plus, he knew I would know what that meant and I just felt free and I thought Thank you, Lord. We got through this, and now it's, I can be the kind of teacher I was before. It never, ever occurred to me that I would have cancer again, ever. I mean, I didn't worry about it. I know friends who've had cancer, and they worry about it all the time. I didn't worry about it. It was never a thought. I thought, I've served my time in the valley of cancer. I'm not going there again. And then in 2015... I got the same report. I knew, I knew, because now I could I could feel all those symptoms. My body was telling me, um, you have cancer. I refused to believe it. Skip, my doctor confirmed it, and I said, what do we do now? And he said, I'm going to put you in a clinical trial. But he said, you'll have to be away from school even more. And I said, no, <laughs> no, I won't. I said, it can't be any worse than what I've been through before. The first six months were awful. They were awful I, until my body began to figure some things out, I think. Here I am over two years later. Looking back, I realized how naive I was because I told him, I'm an overachiever because he had said it's going to take at least two years in this program for us to find out if this is going to work for you. I said, I'm an overachiever. I plan to knock this out in about nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Foolish me. It's been two years and three months, and I'm still in the clinical trial. So the cancer is still there.
0: And here you remain with these kids as supportive and positive and I mean, more than I see on an average person, I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and I don't feel like I have the energy that you have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think the one of the greatest compliments I ever heard from a student, and again, these good reports often come from the parents. My mother told me, I asked my son last night how you were doing. He said, Mom, I know she's supposed to be sick, but we can't tell it. So I thought, thank you, Lord. That's the Lord, because I got home and collapse. But during the day, it's
0: press it on thank you for taking the time to talk with me this morning and share your story thank you i've loved this